Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Unzipped with Sherry with yours truly. I am Sherry. Um, special um, thank you to the guys last week. We had an amazing show, and so far it's been our highest rated show thus far, and it's only going to continue getting better from here. And perfect situation right now is I have Amanda who's here today. And Amanda has this amazing story. We're going to get all about her journey. She even had a mommy makeover fairly recently. So I'm actually really excited to talk to her because I really want all of the sorted details, good, bad, ugly, beautiful, in between everything. So I am totally excited. And so Amanda, I hope you're ready because right now we're about to get unzipped. We all have a story on how we got here, right? So for me, I used to be over 350 pounds. Until one day, I made the single decision that I wanted change. Weight loss surgery has saved my life and now I am here for you. I wanna hear your story. You know, the one that happened during that before and after picture. It's time to unzip. What's your story? Hello, beautiful. How are you today? I'm fantastic. How are you? I am doing fantastic. I am so excited today. And obviously, first and foremost, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. I know that a lot of people don't like talking about their story, whether it's, it's embarrassing or it's too vulnerable. But one thing I've loved about you and I found you on TikTok is you're just like this open book like me. And you're like, whatever you want to know, good, bad, ugly, pretty in between. You're just like, I'm just going to tell it like it is and be as truthful as possible. And so I love that about you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's important to know all the good, bad, ugly, pretty, all that. Like you said, it's, it's a tough journey and a lot of people don't realize how tough it is until someone talks about it. <laughs> you know, I feel like we always, we always make the comments, like people will say that, oh, you took the easy way out and blah, blah, blah. But every, the more and more people you talk to, it's like, no, this shit was really hard. Like there was nothing easy about any of this. Um, and so we have so much to get into. And so why don't you start by telling us a little bit about Amanda's origin story and like, how did you get to the point where we are here today? Yes. So I was always a chubby kid, always, um, from, I think maybe third grade to, you know, two years ago. And it was always a struggle for me, you know, being bullied, made fun of, even by family, you know, stuff like that. And um, when I was 18, I made the decision to get the lap band and that went horribly wrong. <laughs> um, I didn't have any complications or anything. It just, it didn't work for me like um, it does for a lot of people. I mean, I, I've seen some people have some success with it, but most of the people that I've talked to just didn't work out. So of course I kept that um, contraption in my body for like another 12 something years. Really? Yeah. I kept that for a while and um, yeah, 12 years. And when I just got to 305 pounds or 306 pounds, I was like, all right, I, I need to do something. I've tried keto. I've tried Weight Watchers. Correct. Literally any diet that you can think of, I did it. And I lost weight, but it came back. Um, so I started looking into um, bariatric surgery 
once I realized that my legs were starting to swell up, um, you could literally poke and there would be like your pitting in my leg. And I was like, okay, I gotta do something. Yeah, it was, it was scary. What causes that though? What causes the legs to swell like that? Was there like another underlining issue as a result of the weight? Um, I was, I went to the doctor and they did all these tests on me. They couldn't figure out anything, but they did tell me that it was related to my weight. And you know, doctors, you know, sometimes they'll just blame everything on your weight. Um, Been there. But, <laughs> but it did go away once I got weight loss surgery. So, um, that was the big thing because I was so scared that I was causing myself to be so sick that I needed to do something drastic. And that was getting the sleeve. And a lot of people don't realize that you, that it's a last resort for a lot of people. It's not something that you're just like, Oh, I'm going to do this because I don't feel like doing anything else. You do it because you have done everything else. Um, Now, and I'm curious, because you have the lap band, um, and you said that you still gotten up to, like, 300 pounds, did, like, was it that they just weren't filling it with the saline anymore? Was it just that, like, what was going on? Yeah, so that's a whole horror story on its own. Oh. Uh, the doctor I had was terrible. Um, okay. He was, I would even, he was a monster. He was horrible. And I was 18 years old. So I was, you know, a kid even when I got it done. Yeah. He was just so mean to me. Um, you know, a week after surgery, you have that one week post-op with your surgeon. Yeah. And I hadn't really lost that much, you know, after a week after surgery, you're still swelling, you're still bloated and all that. And he was so mad that I didn't drop like 10 pounds. And he would scream at me at the top of his lungs so everybody in the waiting room could hear. And he had a full waiting room. Like, it was packed. People were standing up hearing him screaming at me, an 18-year-old kid. Um, And he goes, if you're not going to lose weight, if you're not going to do this, I'm not going to fill your lap band. And he wouldn't fill my lap band. And so because it was never really filled, I never got the full effect of it but I still had that saline from when I got that you know first fill when I did get the lap band Mm -hmm. um so that would cause you know the choking and I still have that but after a while you need to get that refill and when you don't get the refill you don't have restriction so yes I dropped about 10 pounds but after that just went up and up and up until I was, you know, five foot two, 306 pounds with swelling legs and feet and, you know, possible heart problems because that's what I was reading when I thought about the edema in my legs. Mm -hmm. It was possible heart issues, um, which scared the crap out of me. So of course I, you know, needed to do something, but thankfully my second surgeon who did my sleeve was a godsend literally the, one of the best people I've ever met. <laughs> Which I'm telling you, like a doctor who has amazing bedside manner makes such a huge difference. It's unbelievable. I'll, I'll never forget I, when I was your age, I was 18 and my knees were always excruciating. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I know that weight had something to do with it, but this felt like there was something else wrong. Like, I, I couldn't like get up, stand up or sit down without being in pain. And my doctor at the time was just like, well, you're fat. 
So I cried because like you hurt my, I was like, you hurt my feelings. I'm just a kid or whatever. And so I walked in there like wanting help for my knees. And I walked out with a prescription for Prozac because apparently I'm depressed and Vicodin, which is just going to mask the pain. And I'm like, Wait, this doesn't solve the problem. Right. And then, so I'm curious. So because you had the lap band and you didn't have the results that you wanted, were you more hesitant about the idea of bariatric surgery? Yes. I was terrified that I was going to fail terrified because I'm like, I failed the first time, you know, and I said it before, like I failed the first time, but I didn't fail. The doctor failed me. The lap band failed me. It wasn't me. So I had to like put that into perspective. And that was one of the things that I spoke about with a therapist um, pre-op because I was so afraid that I was, I wasn't going to do well. And he was like, one, you were 18 years old. Two, your doctor was an idiot. And, you know, you can do this. He was like, you're a motivated person. You can do this. And he actually talked me into it more than I thought I was already in it. So, yeah, it was great because I was still so scared. And everyone who's pre-op is terrified until you go through it. So the therapy before is, I think, crucial to any, to all of this. Well, what I found really fascinating in talking with you is, didn't you have multiple sessions beforehand? Yes. Yeah, I, I, yes, I think I, it was either two or three. I can't remember. It was a couple of years ago. It was two sessions with the um, therapist. I think three with the nutritionist and three with my surgeon. Um, and they were all just great. Like the whole program was amazing. So. I was lucky to have found the program that I had because I know some people aren't as lucky. No, I think I had just the first like bariatric, um, what are they called? Like evaluation. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like curious, like obviously you don't have to talk about everything that you talked about in your private sessions, but like what, do they cover some of like recovery or do they cover anything about emotional eating or anything like what to expect afterwards? Um, they talked about more like what maybe caused me to be an emotional eater and um like like i said when i was a child like if you were even the teeniest bit chubby you you're gonna get you know those people like even grandparents parents like oh you need to stop doing this and you know just things that you know you can't really help you're a child you're gonna have baby fat (laughs) but like when people tell you things like that they don't realize that they're damaging something in your head and you're just you become you you find comfort and for me it was food yeah Um, and it sucks because i know i'd like to think that it was obviously not intended to be hurtful but it's like i would have almost rather if you just said hey you've gotten fat instead of wait do you really want that piece of bread right do you really want more pasta i mean like why don't you have some more vegetables I, i feel like that was just more degrading Mm-hmm. And just saying, hey, I'm concerned about your weight. Like, maybe we should do something about it. Right. You know, and it's funny because I'm in a Portuguese, I'm Portuguese. So my culture is like, my grandparents were always like, eat, have some bread, have some cheese, have this. And like, they're always like constantly putting things on your plate. And, you know, you don't say no because that's your grandparents and they want to feed you. Um, so I think that was a big part of it too, where it was just trying to appease my grandparents. But once I got too big, my grandparents were also the ones that are like, well, you're getting a little chunky. I wonder why. <laughs> oh, 
you're the one shoveling food down my gullet. And then if you say no, they're like disappointed, like well, you didn't like it. Like, right. I that I just I physically can't eat anymore. And they're like, oh. Exactly. And then you feel guilty and you're like, well, which is it? You caused this at this point. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's a struggle with, you know, um, I think European families, you know, they came here from Portugal. They're completely different than American culture. So <laughs> it was definitely interesting growing up in that kind of environment. Okay. And I'm pretty sure with your family, because my family's Italian and like, I think I'm like third generation or whatever. It's not just a simple dinner. It's not like just a steak and potatoes. It's like these four or five course meals mm -hmm. or like we would have Sunday dinners and every Sunday it was like this big to do with the pasta and the cutlets and like, and you're like, how are you supposed to, there's no healthy food. Right, and you exactly. Any kind of Latin descent, like there's no healthy options. Butter and bread and carbs and your whole life. Exactly. I can't even remember like my parents or my grandparents ever cooking a vegetable. <laughs> I don't remember any of that. So I get it. Yeah. And it, I mean, if we had vegetables, it was usually smothered in butter or olive oil <laughs> or like, you know, covered in some kind of a cheese thing or whatever. Like, like we would eat eggplant, but we ate eggplant parm. So it's yeah. like breaded and deep fried and covered in sauce and cheese. I'm like, this doesn't count as like a healthy vegetable. Right. So it negates any healthy. Yeah. <laughs> part of it so one thing that so what was what was like oh my gosh i'm a hot mess today because i have so many questions um leading up to having the bariatric surgery what was like your day-to-day -day life like like were you still social were you still going out was there any confidence like um no <laughs> to answer all of that no i was um an anxious mess most of the time I didn't leave the house. I was completely agoraphobic. Um, didn't want to do anything. I was literally in bed. I would go to work, but before work, I would literally throw up because I was so anxious before nerves. Yes. Every single day before work, anytime I had to leave the house, whether it go to get gas groceries, I would literally be physically sick uh, before leaving. And that's how bad my anxiety was. It was, horrible um i was on all these different medications and like even the medications weren't strong enough to you know help me with that anxiety so um i think it was losing not losing the weight but changing my habits yeah that kind of helped get me out of there because before it was literally like i said be sick go to work come back home lay in bed and eat like all day long um, it was sad, to be honest. I, it was scary. Um, because I wanted to go out and I wanted to live life and I wanted to hang out with friends and my sisters. And I lost so many friends because of it. And it's hard because, like, and I'm sure looking back, we're going to have regrets. But, like, you're young. Mm -hmm. That's the time that you're supposed to be, like, discovering yourself and trying things that you're not going to want to do in your 30s and 40s and and to miss out on that opportunity. So what was the anxiety more about just how you felt about yourself or how you thought people were gonna view you? I think it was a little bit of both. Um, just because again, I did grow up with bullying and people like yeah. saying horrible things, whether under their breath or directly to me. Um, and I'm just like thinking if I go out, is there going to be someone that's going to say something to me right. and it's going to 
trigger me to be sick and then they'll have another thing to talk about me right um, so i was just i was just scared all in general that's why i always stayed in barely i didn't leave the house for i mean a couple i would say years i mean other than going to work i did right. not want to do anything it's i like the bare minimum that you have to leave the house kind of thing because back then i'm sure we didn't really have instacarts otherwise if we had Instacart back then, I would have just been ordering food in all the time. I probably would have never left my house. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. when it came time, when you finally made the decision to have the surgery, um, and then like in the days leading up to you, were you more nervous about like the possible complications of the surgery itself? Or were you just more like me where you were just like, what if this doesn't work? It was more, what if it doesn't work? Especially with my first experience with bariatric surgery. I was so scared, um, but again, with that therapy, that kind of like pushed me over the edge and I'm like, yeah, I definitely want to do this. And then I got excited about yeah. it. I wasn't scared anymore. I wasn't scared. The, I think the thing that I was scared of was the anesthesia, <laughs> but the surgery itself, I wasn't afraid of. It was just the, I'm scared I'm going to fail yeah. and I'm afraid of going under. Yeah. But after that, I was okay. <laughs> And I'm curious because I know nothing about the actual process of the lap band, but when you have the lap band, do they put you under for that? Yes. Okay. Did you have like a bad reaction? Is that why you were anxious about it this time or? Um, no. So I just get anxious about anything sur surgery related, I feel like, because I haven't had it in so long. But yeah. when I was 18, I literally woke up. I was great getting out of bed by myself. Like I was young and I healed quick and I was like, this is great. Like that was a piece of cake. And then I had it again at 30 and I was like in the hospital for two days, like didn't want to move. I was tired. I was nauseous. Um, and they wanted to send me home the next day. And I was like, it's not going to happen. You're keeping me another night. Yeah. <laughs> like you're not getting rid of me that quickly, like not happening. Exactly. I mean, I was still getting up by myself. Like the nurses are like, what do you even need me for? <laughs> because I was like pushing myself up out of bed and I was like, this isn't my first rodeo guys. I'm, I'm getting up, I'm going to the bathroom alone, I'm doing this. I even took a shower, um, you know, the day, two days after by myself, didn't need any help from the nurses. All they did was kind of like wrap me up in like the saran wrap <laughs> so I could do what I needed to do, which was nice of them. But it was it was a good experience too at the hospital. It, and like, like we were just saying, it makes such a huge difference when you have like really good doctors and nurses that are very comforting and not berating you for your body rejecting whatever they were trying to do in the past, which is so annoying. Um, but as far as like recovery and stuff, did you have any issues after the sleeve or was it pretty smooth? It was really smooth. I, I was like, it's almost too smooth. Um, on my TikToks, it was funny because I was like, I'm eight days post-op and I feel like I can drink more protein than I should be able to at this point. I was like, is my sleeve working? Yeah. <laughs> what's going on, you know, cause I could drink my water. I could reach all those goals like very quickly. And I was like, did they do anything? Like, is it working? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I can imagine how that gets inside your head too, because of, of the, the history that you had. Cause yes. I know for me, it was restrictive. It was a struggle. And like, I had to set these timers to force myself to sip on these little one ounce liquids. And I struggled getting protein in every single day. But then I would see, then like later on, I would see people going, okay, I'm four days out and I can, I can handle tuna. And I'm like, wait, number one, I wasn't allowed to have tuna for like 
two weeks or something like that. But number two, I couldn't understand how they were able to tolerate it. But that's just based on my experience because I couldn't. So I'm glad that we have somebody who says, hey, in the beginning, I was able to tolerate more than the average. But Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that it's broken because I'm living proof further down the road that it's you're still going to get the results because that's the biggest thing I see on social media in regards to that is I think my sleeve is broken because I can drink in more water or I can eat more. Yes. Yeah, that was the scariest part. I was like, oh, no, am I going to like not lose weight because I can drink all of this like liquid? And I'm like thinking to myself like now that it was just so funny, like how scared I was. But you know, you do feel that restriction after some point. It's just a matter of, you know, everyone, everybody's body's different. You're going to react to it different. Some people are going to be super restrictive and other mm-hmm. people are not going to be. And that's one of the reasons I was terrified. I was like, oh no, am I going to eat too much? And it's yeah. not going to work. But I didn't realize then that, yeah, I can eat a little bit more than other people, but I can still eat a lot less than um, before. That's great. Oh, Jen Marie says, yes, girl, that's my sister. Hi, Jen. Welcome to the show. I love that. Um, Jen made me lose my train of thought for a second. Um, Because I got all all excited. I'm like a badass bitch right now. Look at that. Um, Oh, you know what I was going to ask you? So I just learned this literally in the last couple of years. And I know, and I'm curious if you heard the same thing. Did you know that apparently there's different size sleeves? Almost like the gauge is different. I had no idea. I had no idea because somebody had mentioned like, oh, like I, I'm not losing enough. I think I got the wrong gauge or something like that. And I'm like, wait, what are you talking about? And they're like, yeah, there's different size sleeves, like different, like, I don't know if it's centimeters, millimeters or whatever. And I'm like, what? And I remember asking my doctor about it like a couple of years later. And he goes, he goes, yeah. He's like, I guess there's like a couple of different like gauge sleeves. And I like, don't quote me. I am not a medical professional. I do not give out medical advice in any way. This is just something that I've heard. So if somebody's heard otherwise, obviously let me know and correct me if I'm wrong. But that's something that I had heard, which I thought was absolutely crazy. Wow. Yeah, I had no idea either. And if that's the case, uh, my doctor's got some explaining to do with that restriction thing. Because, um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Okay, I would have been like to have been a little bit more restricted. But we know that you have a very happy ending right now, which yes. is very, very happy about. Yeah. <laughs> And then so because your program was awesome and had um, different like extra therapy and nutrition appointments, did that continue like after the surgery process too? Yes. Um, What the hell? Yeah. (laughs) So I saw my surgeon every, I think, I saw the six weeks, I think, first after surgery. And then every three months after that um, for a year. Yeah. (laughs) And nutrition was every six weeks. So I would see them pretty often. And that was at my request, too, because we have unlimited, um, you know, talk. We have unlimited appointments with our nutritionists or dietitians um, because we pay a fee at the beginning. And after that, as many as you need. So you can just kind of message them on the patient portal and be like, hey, I need to talk to you or I need some recipe ideas or whatever and there'll be a virtual appointment set up what i mean it could be a couple of weeks but they're still there for you um if you but the resource is there which is incredible now yeah. i have nothing negative to say about my my surgeon the whole staff the staff and everybody was the best experience i had ever had with a doctor but 
however, comma, that would have been a nice option to have because, like I said, I had the bariatric or like the gastric psychological evaluation. Sorry. I had one nutrition appointment, which they basically just gave me a packet. This is giving you your diet moving forward. And then that was it. And then you're just thrown like a lamb to the wolves afterwards, kind of like figure it out and navigate on your own. And we joke all the time on this show that I'm a Googler. If I, if, if something's happening to me, and I don't understand it. I'm going to turn to Google. And then Google says I have some rare disease and, I'm, and I have 36 hours to live. And then like, it would have been nice to have had these resources that I could have talked to somebody. Um, and I didn't realize how important just the concept of talking about emotional eating and how to deal with stress because you literally just took away the biggest stress relief of your life by not being able to eat your feelings if you're sad or depressed or lonely or bored or whatever. And then you're like, Wait, I, I just have to stew with these feelings or like, what am I supposed to do now? And I love that your, I got this done in the wrong state clearly, but I love that your facility offered these resources. And I really do think that more places should be doing that. And I'm hoping that the more people are being vocal, I think it's one of the biggest common themes of every episode I've done thus far is people were not emotionally or mentally prepared enough for the surgery. And there was a lot of follow-up work that had to be done after the fact. And if this could be like a public service announcement to the bariatric medical community is we need more psychological follow-ups, we need more nutritional follow-ups and more resources for people to be able to turn to afterwards. I love that you had that. And I really do believe that that was probably a huge night and day difference for you compared to other people. Yeah, absolutely. It it was night and day, especially from the first experience that I had with that first surgeon where I only saw the therapist once for the evaluation, like you said. And, um, after that, there was no nutrition appointments at all. We didn't have any of that and just straight into surgery. And, Again, I was thrown to the wolves at 18 years old with little education on the subject. And all we had were like these group chats where we had to like drive to the hospital and sit in a room with a bunch of people who have either had surgery or haven't had surgery. And they're just talking about their experiences, what they lost, what they didn't lose. And I didn't really get any information from that. It was more like, I lost this much and I feel great now, but they don't talk about the struggles and stuff like that because they're, I feel like they were trying to sell it um, to the people who haven't had it. Like, I feel like the doctors are like, Hey, come to this group so you can tell these people how great you're doing. Um, <laughs> because that's what it felt like at yeah. the time. But I was again, 18 years old. So I was like, Oh, this is great. I'm going to lose all this weight. You know, I was young and naive and I'm glad I was able to find a good program that matched what I needed. No, and it's so true too. And like there, we had a guest, Marcy, who was on um, last month and she was going to the support groups. Now she was somebody who ended up suffering from transfer addiction for a short while. And she turned to alcoholism because she couldn't have food. And she would go to these support groups and she would start talking about it. Like, cause she was being honest, like, this is something that happened to me. And, and the people who are running the support groups would shush her. And it's like, like, maybe we won't talk about that. Or they would change the subject. And I'm like, no, these are the things that you need. Is everybody going to have this issue? No. But if you, like, I have a very addictive personality, which is why my husband holds the money every time we go to Vegas. And like, I, cause I know that I have, I've always had this addictive personality. So I can see how easy it is for some people to transfer that into another activity or another advice. 
And that's, that's a common reality for people. So we should be talking about these things 100%. Yep. Um, my, they, that's kind of, that was a common subject between my surgeon, my nutritionist, and the therapist. They all mentioned transfer addiction. And they all said, yeah, they, they were like, watch out about your shopping. Watch out about your drinking. Because those are like the two main things um, that people kind of, that, that's what happens when you, don't have your current addiction anymore as, you know, your go-to. Yeah. So I was like, oh, well, that's good to know because, I mean, first, I, didn't, I was never a drinker anyway. I'm still not a drinker. So I was like, that's great. You know, I'll drink socially here and there, but that's never been a problem. So I waited almost a year and a half before I even had a first sip of alcohol, even though they told me that I could start drinking at a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and as for shopping, I'm still dealing with that. <laughs> But it's not terrible. <laughs> but then it's hard too because you you went from like not wanting to leave your house. You were unhappy with how you were. Clothes were not fitting very well. And then so I don't know if it's like a shopping addiction or it's like all of a sudden I can wear these things I've never worn before. And there's just like this excitement. I don't know if it, I don't, well I don't know for you. I don't know if it was an addiction per se or it's just this temporary excitement like. I just want to buy cute clothes. I've never had this before. Yes. I think that's what it is for me too, because again, none of my clothes fit. <laughs> so my old clothes don't fit anymore at all. And I was just like, yeah. all right, I'm going to buy new clothes. So keep buying it. Here's a shirt here. Oh, that's a cute pair of pants. That's going to fit me. And um, I think it's a great feeling just kind of see the clothes start to get smaller and smaller where I started a size 22 and now I'm at a size like eight. And I was like, this is great. Let me buy more pants in a size eight because I can't. <laughs> right. Um, now I'm curious. So because you you and I were very similar in that we both did not think this was going to work. So what was what was the moment or did you have like a gauge before surgery? Like if I if this happened, then it's going to tell me, I think we're finally going to make it this time. Did you have anything like that? Um. No, I, th- I think I just kind of took it day by day as far as things go. I was like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. This is my protein goal for the day. This is what I got to do. Um, because some days you have that, you know, great mindset, like I'm going to do this. I'm going to work out today. I'm going to do all this. And other days you're, you're not feeling so good about it. And you're just like, yeah. why did I do this? Um, so it kind of was like a day-to-day thing for me. There was nothing that actually clicked. I had so many stalls, like even at the beginning, I'm like, oh crap, is this not going to work? You know, two weeks in and I'm like, I haven't lost anything in two weeks. What's going on? And, you know, it would be like a constant cycle. Like every month I have a stall and I'm like, great, this again, am I going to be stuck at this weight forever? It was always that like up, those ups and downs. And it's something that you would even get like, without weight loss surgery, if you were to like lose the weight on your own, you still have those ups and downs and you get scared. You're like, Oh no, like the stall is lasting pretty long. What am I going to do? Is, is it, is this game over for me? Like, is this where it ends? But it wasn't, I kind of just had to keep pushing through and um, it was great. Yeah. My sister said the support she had was unreal and it was, you know, I had, you know, my family and I had my boyfriend and a lot of help, but yeah, you also have people like saying, Hey, you want a bite of this? And I'm like, no, I can't have that. 
I mean, I can now, but at the beginning, that first year is so important. You need to make sure you're 100%. Yeah, and the beginning is so hard because people don't know. It, it's really hard to talk to people about it when you have the surgery because unless they've gone through it, like they just don't know. And you're not going to spend three hours giving them this whole diatribe on everything that you're allowed to have and not have. And I, and I remember like in the very beginning, the first year was tough, especially if it was a family function. Like I had the surgery in September. So the first major ho um, holiday was Thanksgiving. And like I said, in an Italian family, it's not just a turkey and mashed potatoes. It's like this entire spread of like 12 or 13 dishes. And I'll never forget that first picture. I would have like these little drops of all, of all the different foods. So I wanted to try everything. And I was only able to try three or four things. And it was like the tiniest bite. And then, yeah. and then people make the comments like, oh, how come you're not hungry? And it's like, no, it's not that I'm hungry. I'm like physically full. Like if I eat anymore, I'm going to throw up. Yeah. And then you go to places like family functions or you go to birthday parties and you're bringing your own food. Like I'm bringing my yogurt or I'm bringing my own protein. And, and I felt that sometimes there was like a look going like, you don't like, we can't provide healthy options here. And it's like, it's not that I'm just on a specific phase. I can only have these things or whatever. It's not, it's not always about you. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So question then, what, what, at what point did you finally be like, holy shit, I think it's working finally? Yeah, it was when I got under 200 pounds. Okay. I think it was, um, because that one, I was, you know, 106 pounds down and I was like, I hit the 100 pound mark. I was like, this is fantastic. It worked. Like, that's all I wanted to lose at first was like a hundred pounds because I was like, okay at least I did this. And then my next goal was to lose another 50 and I'm about 10 pounds away from that goal still. Yeah. I was like, you know, it's a ongoing, <laughs> an ongoing journey. It will forever be. But yeah, that, that first hundred pounds was that main goal. Um, and that's when I was like, all right, I can do this. If I lost a hundred pounds, I can do another 50. And it was great. It's my friend Ashley. Hi, Ashley. That's so cute. I love you. Got like so much. I, I love. I've heard stories of people who have not had the support with them that they've had to do it on their own. I there, there's something about when you have a really strong support system. I feel like it just spurs you on more, and it's like, and I don't know if it's like for you. It's like almost like you want to work harder because, like, if somebody's supporting you, you don't want to let them down. So you yeah. want to you want to keep showing them like, hey, I got this, and. It's, it's just so refreshing to hear stories that that was one thing that you didn't have to struggle with as much. Yep. And Not I think, have to struggle another, with it, obviously, but yeah, I think another reason why I share so openly is because if I do, that keeps me accountable yes. um, in some way. I'm like, you know, I can't, I can't fail all these people that I've been right. sharing the story with. And um, it kind of helps me keep going because I don't want, you know, all these people to see me fail. Like that's my worst thing, but I also don't want to fail myself. So. Just but, and you have, you, you definitely have to find balance. Cause one thing that I learned in, I was doing all those 75 hard challenges this year. And the, the greatest high that I got is getting messages from people saying, I'm now doing it too. Or you inspired me to, to do my own version of this. And all of a sudden now you're seeing their posts and they're going to the gym and they're drinking more water. And you're like, Oh my God, like I got my story got to be a part of that. 
But then I feel like it can create like this almost unrealistic expectation where you put these more expectations on yourself because you're like, I don't want to fail them. I don't want to be a failure. So even so you're almost doing sometimes more because you want to keep setting this example. And so what you don't want to do is get to the point where it's just way too high that you're going to crash even harder. So I think it's really important to find balance that it's okay to have an off day. There's okay to not go to the gym every single day, as long as you're constantly working to be better than you were yesterday. That's all you can do. But it's, and I, but I love the fact that you're so vocal about it. So many <laughs> popular today. My goodness. Hi, Chicken. <laughs> I love that. And if anybody has specific questions, like write them in. We'll answer them live on the air too. Um, one thing that I do want to talk about, and like I said, like I told you, it's more for selfish reasons because I'm actually looking into it, is um, you had a mommy makeover. I did. And I literally need to know. Yes. So I guess question number one is what made you decide to look into it? Um, so a big part of it was going to the gym and I would be working out with my trainer and he would have me like, you know, the sled pushes that you would do. Um, so I would be doing the sled pushes and he would have me run with the sled. And all I would hear is my stomach like flapping. Yes. And, and it's embarrassing because you're in like this big gym with a ton of people and yeah I know that some of them have headphones on but my trainer didn't because he's you know listening right. to, um you know just concentrating on you while you're working out so I was like oh my god that's so embarrassing you know all this flapping and I was like I need to do something about it like at this point it's just too much I might not be at my goal weight but right it needs to go <laughs> um so that was one of the main things because I still felt like I looked good in clothes like I didn't that wasn't a thing. I mean, I feel like I look better in clothes now, um, but it was more, I was so uncomfortable at the gym. Um, yeah. It was, it was so bad um, just because like, again, the, I can't do a jumping jack. I can't do, you know, the plank jacks or anything like that without feeling everything kind of slapping against each other. And I'm like, all right, let's have to go. <laughs> And I didn't realize, you know, I don't know about you, but I was always, my whole life, I was very well endowed on top from the age of 10 on. And to go from like a 30, I think I would know, I was a 48 triple D to like a 38 triple D. And like on paper, you're like, okay, that's awesome. Like women would kill for that. And you're like, no, women would not kill for this right now. Like every, <laughs> everything in your body just like deflates from like head to toe your thighs deflate, your arms deflate. And we were joking, like when you're, when you're over 300 pounds, everything is big, you know? Mm -hmm. So if you're just insecure about the whole picture and you have like this image of how you would love to look and then you lose all of this weight and it just deflates in certain areas. And then like your arms like jiggle and then your stomach is flapping. And then like my boobs, I'm giving myself black eyes if I go for a run, you know, because they're all over the place and you're just like, I lost all of this weight to feel better about myself. And I feel like now there's more added insecurities. I didn't think I was ever going to have. Yes. It, it's just, it's still the same when you get skin removed. Um, so yeah, I got all that skin removed from my stomach and I got, you know, my breasts lifted and they no longer fold in half. <laughs> but when you have, when you get things like that done, you're like, Oh, I feel great about this part. It kind yeah. of relates every single Thing else that you still want to get done like my arms 
that now I'm just like, okay, my stomach's done, but I still have right. these here. And now it's even more Notice. a problem than it was than I thought before. So it's still, a, it's always a struggle mentally anyway, I think with, yeah. especially if you have body dysmorphia, oh, which I think a lot of us do because we lost the weight so quickly that it's hard to kind of like have your mind catch up with your body. Oh, I agree a hundred percent. And because of fault, like you just said, it falls off so quickly. You don't have time to mentally, other people are noticing it, you know, because it's happening so quick. But when you're so used to looking at yourself in the mirror every single day, you're not seeing these drastic changes until right. months go by and you see a picture or something like that. You're like, Oh shit. Like I'm looking pretty good. But during the, during the process. So what did you have done so far? I had just a breast lift and the tummy tuck with muscle repair, no liposuction. Um, okay. The doctor said it wasn't needed because I didn't have much fat left in my flanks. Um, and that's, pretty much all they do when they do liposuction. They don't go up into like the upper abdomen um, around that area. It's more like the sides to get that hourglass shape. Right. But luckily I, that kind of went away with the weight loss. Um, and then, so what was the, okay. So compared to the sleeve, what was like the first couple weeks like recovery wise from the mommy makeover? So the sleeve, I, after about five days, I was like back to my normal routine. Okay. I was traveling again. I was having a great time. I was like, all right, this is, this is good. We're, we're, you know, on a good path. And, um, after the tummy tuck, that was the struggle. That was a big struggle for me because I couldn't get out of bed by myself. I needed my sisters. I needed my mom to kind of like lift me up and they had to do it so slowly too, because any sudden movement and I am in excruciating pain. And that wasn't from the incision at all. It's just the muscle repair. Okay. Um, I didn't feel the breast part of it at all because all of the pain was focused in my abdomen. So it was lucky that I paired them together because your body's only going to focus on the most painful part right. of the surgery. So I would say as far as the sleeve goes, I like out of one out of 10, as far as pain goes and recovery, it was probably a four for me. I had a really, really easy time with the sleeve. For the tummy tuck or the mommy makeover, it was the pain probably eight or nine for the first two weeks. Um, I, I couldn't laugh, cough, sneeze without seeing Jesus. <laughs> it was terrible. And my sister, my youngest sister, would always come into my room where I was just like laying down on my little wedge pillow. And um, she would show me these funny TikToks. And I'm like, can you not? Like, I'm hurting. Can you please just get out? Like, move. And she's just, like, laughing. And I'm like, you need to go. <laughs> okay. But, like, I obviously that might scare people off. But I think it's important to, that this is a reality. And, and not, maybe not everybody has the same level of pain. You know, we all have different pain tolerances, too. Right. But, um like to go from a four, like for you to compare it from a four to like an eight or a nine, like that's a big difference. Yes. And from what I'm understanding, it's, it lasts for a longer period of time. Yes. I'm about, I want to say 11 or 12 weeks out, somewhere in between there right now. And I still feel some soreness. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's not um, painful. It's not a noticeable pain. It's only if like what I'm trying to work out yeah. or get, the bed even I kind of have to like grab behind my knee and swing myself up still because I don't have any of that right 
strength that I used to have in my core. So it's I'm kind of just like trying to work it up a little bit um, at the gym and just doing like planks here and there and trying to build that back up. But it's it's tough. Before I could do like a one and a half minute plank and now I'm going 30 seconds. Okay. So it's 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 tough building it up, especially when you're feeling all that tightness still. Yeah. But yeah, that first two weeks was um, pretty bad. I think it's because of the drains. And then, so that's what I was going to ask you. So how long did the drains last for? So the drains, I had two. I had one in each hip. And after the first week, they took one out. Okay. And then they left the second one in for another week to make sure that all of whatever was in there was getting out. So I had no fluids in me um and then do you like because i know i've never had drains or anything like do you have to like drain them yourself is, is there like special care you have to do is it a lot of work oh yeah you have to drain them yourself but it's so easy it kind of just like pops off the top kind of like um a pool floaty so you have like one of those pop-off things and you yeah. just spill it into um a measuring cup because you have to tell your doctor how much liquid is coming out of you right it's, it's super gross, but but I need I need, but I told you I want the sorted. I need to know what to expect. Like, yeah, that's totally gross. But I feel like when you're in the moment of it, like even with the sleeve, you know, like there's certain things that you experience. Um, like you, I want to know. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty gross, and it's such a pain because you weren't. I wasn't allowed to shower for the first week. It was all like you know sponge baths and yeah. stuff like that. Um. So it was difficult. I was like, I just want to wash my hair. Yeah. <laughs> it was so hard. But um, once they took out that first drain, he told me all I have to do is like tape the second drain with gauze and I could shower. And I was like, thank God. Okay. So it was good. And, but the thing is, once you get both of those drains removed, you feel about 75% better immediately. Really? Yeah. Okay. It was immediate relief after. And it was so weird to think about that but once that thing is gone you kind of feel human again where you're not trying to figure out a way to work your clothes around this drain right sticking out of you so it was big baggy sweatpants for the first two weeks until i was able to get um get that out so i took a full two weeks off of work i took a two-week vacation um and then do you have like do you have a job where you're on your feet all the time or do you have like a more of like an office job it's an office job, but they told me that regardless of, you know, the activity that I was doing at work, I would need to definitely take at least two to three weeks off. And they were right. Like I probably should have taken an extra week. Really? Yeah. Just because I was still so in so much pain. I was like hunched over walking because it felt so tight. Right. Um, so hypothetically, if, if somebody like is watching this, um, works remotely a lot, do you think they would still be able to need to take that time off? Or do you think they could still do stuff like sitting on the couch? Yeah. I think if you worked remotely, you should be fine after maybe like a week or so. I was out, I think on day five or six out shopping with my mom. Okay. I was walking around, but I was hunched over, but that's what they tell you to do is walk as much as possible. Yeah. So I was walking even day one, I was going up and down the stairs, just doing as much as I possibly could to, get back to my normal routine because not exercising was so hard for me. Well, and so this is what I'm going to ask you too. So I know that, um, like when you have the gastric sleeve or any kind of bariatric surgery, like you're walking day one, like within hours, because it's like, you got to keep moving, got to keep moving. Um, 
Now, if you go a long time without doing any kind of activity, your muscles will start to atrophy pretty quickly. So do they give you any kind of like a physical therapy or any kind of exercises that you can do or just like strictly nothing for weeks? Strictly nothing for weeks. It was hard. Yeah, it was so hard to um, kind of get back into the headspace of um, not working out like I used to. Yeah. As a bariatric patient, I don't know about you or your experience with it. Like, it's always in my head, am I going to gain this weight back? Because oh, I, um, So I was scared, you know, they told me eight weeks, eight weeks without going to the gym. And I was terrified. I was like, oh, no, what's going to happen? Am I going to gain, you know, all this weight back? And um, I, it started giving me panic attacks. Yeah. I, I was getting really, really nervous. I was kind of like just sitting on the couch like, oh, my God, am I going to throw up? And I can't throw up because anything that has to do with my stomach is going to kill. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I was getting very, very nervous. And I was always like holding the pillow to my stomach because I would cough when I'm anxious. Yeah. Coughing, again, was a big no-no. So, I mean, not that you weren't allowed to cough, sneeze, or laugh. It just hurt. Like, yeah. you, it's not going to damage anything that's going on there it just it really really hurt to do that um but yeah it's okay so now i'm curious um i know you can't go to the gym for probably like six to eight weeks Mm -hmm. but is there a time like when you're allowed to at least go for a walk at least go outside and get like even if it's like light exercise that way or maybe go in the pool and like do some stretching in the water just to kind of start doing something light do they give you any advice on that yeah, so you can't submerge yourself underwater for six weeks after surgery. Yeah, so you can't go swimming, can't do any of that. And thankfully, my six weeks out date was July 4th. So oh. I was swimming. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a struggle before with um, walking. So walking, I started at two weeks. Okay. I was able to like go and do certain things, but I was so tired because it's so exhausting. Um, and um, Christine said, do, do I know how much they removed? And yes, they removed six pounds of skin from me. No way. Yeah, six and pounds. was just in the stomach area? Yes. That was, I think, it, I don't know if it was a total um, with my breasts and everything, the amount do of skin they, it took do they, remove, do they remove skin from your boobs? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So what they do with that is they kind of like cut from here down and then across. So like an anchor. Um, And then they kind of take all the skin from between here and stitch it back together. So everything goes up where it's supposed to be again. (laughs) So when you have a lift, do they put, can they do it without implants or do you have to put implants or does it matter? No implants. I didn't get any of those. Yeah. I just got them pushed up back to where they're supposed to be. That's what I want. Yeah. Yeah. You can absolutely do that. And my surgeons, I saw a couple of plastic surgeons before I finally picked one. And they all told me that a lot of the times implants come with complications. So if you were happy with your boob size, your current boob size, yeah, bra on, then that's what your boobs are going to look like um, after surgery. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm fine with that. We'll just I'm, like, I'm fine with the size. I'm just curious, like, how do they lift it? I mean, they are, like, they couldn't move. 
because they are just strictly udders at this point. And it's like, yes. so I'm just curious, like without some kind of an implant, that, like, like, a, like a padded bra, like how do they like, what do they put in there to like lift it up? <laughs> I actually, they, I don't know how they do it, but they get them up there without the implants. And I think it's a, a lot of it has to do with the skin that they removed. Okay. Um, kind of like squish everything up and yeah. <laughs> squish it all up like i mean so for me like my biggest thing right now is my arms because it's 115 degrees out here at times i'm not wearing long sleeves in the dead of summer there's no way i can hide that with my stomach at least for the most part you can hide it with certain clothing and then i feel like with the boot like at least they make really good and I, can't, I feel like I can get away with it, except for, you know, there's only one person who's going to see them, and it's usually dark at night, and the lights aren't going to come on, so then it's okay. But I, if there's an option to take care of that, I feel like I would like to look into that for sure. Yeah, and it depends on the surgeons, too. Some surgeons are willing to do the arms and um, your tummy tuck at the same time. Mine wouldn't, um, because he said he, I would need my arms to get myself up, and he was right. Um, so I'm happy that I did it the way that I did. Yeah. I still wanted my arms done, <laughs> but I'm happy that I did it the way that I did because there were times where, you know, no one was home or they went out really quick to get a coffee yeah. and I'm like, Oh no, I have to go to the bathroom. How am I going to get up? And right. I kind of use my arms to like scooch myself up in order to get up out of bed because you can't use your abs at all to help yeah. yourself get up. And I wouldn't have thought about that because one a consultation I had mentioned arms and stomach at the same time. But you're right. I remember like when I had the sleeve, I slept in a recliner for three weeks because my abs hurt so bad yep. um, that you rely heavily on your arms just to be able to hoist yourself up a different. And if you can't do that, I'm like, it's a really excellent point. Yeah. Yeah, he made a good point, and I was like, all right, fine, I'll just, you know, get my breast done, because if you get, what what he did was, if you got two surgeries combined, you get a discount, because you're not paying that for the extra anesthesia, you're not paying, it should be. yeah, you're not paying for any of, like, the extra surgical room fees and stuff like that, so I was like, you know what, I'm going to get as much as I can done in one operation, and keep going from there. My thighs, yes, they're a lot of skin, but I'm not going to worry about them, yeah. they're they're last on my list. Um, the next um, appointment that I have is would be for my arms and my back to lift all the skin on my back because oh. unfortunately I still have a lot of loose skin on my back. Yeah, I can't wear like the crop tops and the sports bras and stuff because although my stomach's flat, my back is not. So I'm like still self-conscious about that. But I'm very happy with the results. Other, yeah, you know, some days I'm not, and other days I am. Right. It's, it's the same, you know, even before surgery. I'm like, oh, I look great today. And then other days I'm like, oh. <laughs> but, you know, I think that's everybody too. I think even somebody who's at their top physical form and completely happy, you're going to you're gonna have an off day. You're like, oh, I feel fat. Or, oh, like, oh, my arms look terrible with the dress or whatever it is. Um, so, now, so now that it's been almost, what, three months mm -hmm. since you've done it, if you had to do it all over again tomorrow, is there anything you would have done differently? Um, I probably would have done a little bit more research, I think, about the procedure and really prepare myself for what I was about to go through. Okay. Um, but I would, I would definitely do it again. I mean, I, with all the pain and everything, it was still worth it to feel more confident 
whether or not I'm still having those good and bad days, you know, with yeah. body image, because that's normal. Um, I just feel better overall with, especially going to the gym. I'm like, all right, I'm not hearing the flapping anymore. <laughs> right. So it's great. It was worth it. And, and, you know, I feel like I'm the kind of person that if I know that there's an end date, like if I know that if I'm told you're going to be in pain for six weeks, I know that I can at least train my brain. When, like, obviously you're going to have hard days and you're going to be like, why the hell did I put myself through this? Like, this is stupid. And, and that's normal. But I feel like I can at least snap myself out of it because it's only five more weeks. It's only four more weeks. I only got another week and then it's going to get better. And like, I feel like that knowing that there's like light at the end of the tunnel, I feel like I'm willing to put up with whatever, whatever pain threshold you're going to throw at me because there's an end date. Whereas if you were told, I don't know, it could be one week, it could be like a year. And I'm like, okay, I don't know if I like those odds, you know? And then like, I'm constantly going to be more, you know, self-conscious about it. Um, but like, so if somebody's thinking about having gastric sleeve surgery based on your experiences, what advice would you give them to somebody who's like on the fence about it? Um, I would let them know that if you have stalls, like I did, don't, don't discourage, like, don't discourage yourself. It happens. It's normal in every case. And you're still going to get to your goals no matter what, just follow your program, do what you have to do. Um, look into weightlifting. Um, cardio is not always the answer <laughs> and just trust that it's going to happen for you. Don't, you know, fill yourself with doubt, even though it's hard. Um, you that, that's what I did. I was like so doubtful at the beginning, but the more you get into the program and you're losing and even with stalls and everything, you're just, you get more positive, I think, as time goes on. And I think that's one of the big reasons I lost my anxiety or didn't lose it, but it got a lot better. Dissipated, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, if you trust the process and do what you need to do and you get yourself into routine, everything just it kind of falls into place. So just trust the process, trust the routine, and it will all happen for you. I absolutely love that. And then like one last question for now, because I, like, like I told you this before we started, <laughs> the hour is gonna go by so quickly. Um, I'm just curious. So obviously your confidence grows when you start losing the weight. And then like we joke, then at some point, like you get different insecurities that come as a result, you know, cause like they're more isolated parts now. How in just in the last 12 weeks, how has your confidence changed? Um, it's, it's been a huge thing. So I, I'm always like posting myself, like wearing bathing suits and everything like that. I would never do that before. You know, my friends are like, you're a completely different person. They're, like they're legitimately shocked because I was so shy before yeah. and I don't know like who's still in here of my friends, but I, I sing, like I like to sing and do karaoke and stuff like that. And before I would absolutely never, ever, ever do it. Yeah. And now someone will hand me a microphone. I'll be like, what do you want me to sing? Like, I'll just get up in front of anybody, yeah. people, whoever, and just sing because I'm not afraid that I'm being judged anymore. I'm just, you know, I, I'm the best me that I could be because I'm taking care of myself. And I think it's not all about the looks and, you know, it's 
some of it's about the looks, but a lot of it's I'm taking care of me and what other people say now is not my problem. Like right. they can hate me or love me, but I love myself. I'm taking care of myself. Yeah, and I don't I really don't think it's so much about the look is how how specific things just make you feel. Mm -hmm. and, and like I like in the very beginning I never thought I would ever even consider getting any kind of additional surgery cuz for me like at the time I thought that was very vain. I'm like I'm like dude, all I wanted to do was just to be under 300 pounds. Like that was my only goal. I never thought I would be in Wonderland. I never thought I'd be where I am now. It was just like, I just don't want to be a statistic and die early. I just want to like have like this life. And then you get to this point where you're feeling like your best self and you, and I have more confidence now than I've ever had. But then, like I said, there's a couple of little areas here that I know in my heart, if it wasn't there, I feel like I would be even better. Cause like, I would actually want to do more things. And, and I know that you joke like dancing is not your thing whatsoever. Um, but dancing is like my greatest passion. Like it brings me so much joy. And then you watch these videos and like my legs are nice and you're in the dress and you feel so pretty. And then like your arms are like, just like, you know, flying away. And you're like, I feel like it's not that I'm being vain about it. It's just now all of a sudden that's where everyone's eyes are going to be averted to. Or that's immediately, it's no longer like watching myself and being happy that I can do this. It's watching myself and going, those arms are killing everything. Yep. And if there's a chance that I can take that off the table and do something about it, I don't think it's even out of vanity. I just feel like it's just going to be a game changer in how you feel about yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel the same exact way. I don't think it's about like, oh, I need to look better than everybody else. And right. it's, it's not that case. It's just, it's something that you're always so focused on. Like I lost all this weight. I want to see my results. I want to see the muscles under there. Right. That's all I want to see. Um, I want to, you know, be able to see how hard I've worked. And yeah. I can see it in my skin. Yes, I, that skin is a result of how hard I worked. But yeah. I want to see everything underneath now. <laughs> yeah, and like, and for me, the, only, the whole reason I had the sleeve was because I tried everything else. And I gave it everything I had. I was by the book, and it wouldn't come off. And so for me, it was like there was nothing else I could have done at that point. That was it. And I feel now there was a long time where I'm like, well, if you just go to the gym, like you can, there's a lot of arm workouts you can do. You could do a bunch of squats and like, like, but no, now I'm showing like, if you had told me that you, that if you do a thousand bicep curls every single day for six months, you won't have that problem. I would, I would have done that. So it wasn't a matter of like not putting in the work, but now you're at this point where you're putting in all of this work and there is nothing I can do to make it go away. And it's not trying to be negative. It's, it's being realistic. Like all these years of abuse and stretching it out, it doesn't matter how much exercise I do. That's not going to go. So then it's not a matter like it, just with the surgery. It's not for lack of trying. It's just, this is just the last step to look into the reflection and just have this big old smile going. I now feel complete. Exactly. Exactly. This yeah. is the final you know, not the final, but like, this is what I worked for. Like I can see right. it. Like, I yeah. can see the vision that I had at the you know beginning of the journey. Yeah. So, I get it. I absolutely love that. And I can't believe that we are already out of time, but you have been so amazing. I love your TikToks. Why don't you let people know where to find you on TikTok so they can um, follow up with your story? 
Yeah, um, it's the new Amanda Lee with the underscore between each um, word. So the underscore Amanda underscore Lee. See, you heard the lady. Go follow her on TikTok. The videos are amazing. She does live videos too, where so when she does her live videos, you can ask your questions directly to her. I had a lot of fun. I think it was last week. I was able to pop onto her live and we were able to just shoot the shit for a little bit, which was so much fun. So hopefully we're gonna be able to do that again. And I really hope that that you are gonna be able to come back again in the future because I'd love to follow up in like another couple of months or so and just see how much different it's even been. Cause I know that there's some hints of, you know, pain and discomfort here and there, but I just, I can't wait to see where this journey takes you and where you're gonna go from here. Thank you, I appreciate that so much. I had so much fun talking to you guys today. I, I'm, and thank you guys again so much for watching. If you have any additional questions for Amanda, you can always reach out to me. You can find her on TikTok. Um, if you have additional questions, I can always have her come back and we're gonna ask away. And then again, thank you guys, as always, so much for watching. You can catch us. You can actually watch the old episodes that we've done on YouTube or Facebook at Unzip with Sherry. We're now on Spotify. We're on Apple. We're, we're all over the freaking place. I am exploding this thing as much as I can. Um, and then until then, we will see you guys next week. And you guys have an amazing rest of the week. And Amanda, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I had a great time. Bye.